Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His words so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. I just stop right now on all our campuses and say, who isn't saved, raise your hand. Good. And I'd come out and grab all of you at all the campuses and the other pastors, and we'd just bring you right down here and say, get saved today. How much good would that do? Zero. You can't become born again because of the family you're in. You can't decide it. God has to draw you. And no man, see, if I can convince you by nice words, crying story, Satan will unconvince you with his way. You have to make a decision We're not naturally loving people. We're born sinners. But God loves us first and then we're able to love Him. That's what we've been learning in the book of 1 John. Love is about obedience. Love is about not doing what we want or getting something we want or being treated a certain way. Love isn't merely a feeling. Rather, love is all about obeying God's commandments. God's commandments are simple. Love others. Pastor Mark reminds us that love is a verb. It's action, not just words. It's obedience and putting others first. A life of love is all about walking in Him. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 12, with our continuing study entitled, Right Belief Leads to Right Living. I'm going to come to Christ when I die, just before I die. You have no chance. You have no idea. You might not even be able to breathe. And you can't come to Christ just when you decide to. But when the Spirit begins to draw you and speak to you, some of you aren't Christians yet on our campuses, He's going to be speaking to you starting right now. So you listen. You can come when he draws you, but you still have to make the choice. And last, one that sounds a little strange to us, notice. He says this, not by human decision or husband's will, but born of God. What that means is, not by the will of man. It would be nice if a pastor could save you. In other words, if I just stop right now on all the campuses and say, who isn't saved, raise your hand. Good. And I'd come out and grab all of you at all the campuses and the other pastors, and we'd just bring you right down here and say, get saved today. How much good would that do? Zero. You can't become born again because of the family you're in. You can't decide it. God has to draw you. And no man, see, if I can convince you by nice words, crying story, Satan will unconvince you with his way. You have to make a decision yourself. That's why the Bible puts that right there for us. So understand, every person must individually trust Jesus Christ for eternal life. It's a gift. It's a gift. You can't earn it. It's not a reward for your good works. It's just that. At the end of the service, some of you today will hear the Spirit, and you can choose to become a Christian. Now, go back to 1 John chapter 5. There's more. Look at verse 1. 
everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone loves the Father, everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. And this is how we know that we love the children of God by loving God and carrying out his commands. If I'm going to be an overcomer, number two, write it down. I have to love right. Not, not only do I have to believe right, but I have to love right. I have to love God and others. This is the, the, the last of eight times in the book of John. You heard it over and over again. That we may know. That we may know. That we may know. That, that's why our series of First John was called Know That You Know That You Know. John says the way you can validate if you're really a believer is you believe right and you love right. John is constantly talking about the very things that you have on your bracelet. The two greatest commandments. Love God and love people. Now let me show you how that works. Here's a triangle. It's a triangle of love. When I come to Christ, I came to Christ because first, we learned this a couple weeks ago, God loved me. So I love God back. But that's not the end of it. If you're a Christian this morning, then you're going to love other people. First, you're going to love other Christians. And you guys are doing so good. You've involved yourself in community groups and study groups and small groups. That's why God designed that. The church is not man's kind of thing he came up with. God designed the church. That we would gather together. We would learn together. We'd fellowship together. You're doing that. It's great. But it's not just Christians. These people involve other people. I don't know why God didn't do this. What if after you become a Christian, within three or four months, God gives every single one of us a 10-minute trip to hell. Do you think that would change our view of the lost? Hello? I don't know why. I I mean, he tells us plenty about it. But guys, our neighbors, if they don't know Christ, they're going to spend forever in hell. That's why we do this. It's not something we have to do. We do it because we love God and we love people. Why are we doing the fall fest? So we can have a hot dog out here, a Holy Ghost hot dog. No, we're doing it because we want the world to say, and these Christians love each other. They have like a fun time together. This food is what, free? You're kidding me. No, we're not kidding you. So understand, this love has to be in action. It's a follow through. It's not just something, oh, I love God. I'm not getting in a small group. I love God. I would never serve. Why would I serve? It's going to cost me. No, that's exactly the wrong thing. So understand, if you're going to be loving God, you're going to love people. And you're going to be hanging with each other like you guys do. Fantastic. We don't have free coffee this week, but you're still hanging together. Good job. Good job. Verse 2. By loving God and carrying out His commands. So all of a sudden, John says, if you love God, it's going to be more than just love you. You're going to carry out his command. Look at verse 3. And this is the love for God. To obey his commands. And watch this. This is where the board comes in. This is where the chalkboard comes in. And his commands are not burdensome. So number three, if I'm going to be an overcomer, I have to believe right. I have to love right. Here's number three. At all of our campuses, I have to obey right. My obedience has to be joyful. I obey because I know it's good. So there's a direct connection between love and obedience. We have three enemies. The world, 
my old sin nature, and Satan. All three of those want me to look at God's commands as negative and restrictive. All three of those things. My old sin nature, when I see a command of God, my old sin nature says, well, I don't need to obey God. That's not really good for me. I want to do what I want. Now, sometimes we miss what was really happening in the church. Remember, John wrote this letter to many churches. Now, why would John write this? You need to obey God, and obeying God's commands is not, watch, it's not horrible, it's not burdensome, it's actually good for you. Why would John have to say that? Because that's what people believed. You see, initially, those people he was teaching, many of them were Jews. 613 rules and regulations. It got worse and worse. It became burden. Nobody could ever keep them. But we come into the New Testament, and it's a whole different story. And so John has to say to them, wait a minute, wait a minute. You have the wrong belief about obeying God. His commands are not a burden. They're not grievous. They're not cruel. They're not bad for you. They're not restrictive. In fact, just the opposite. So let me ask you a question right now. Let's just take a moment to chill out. Here in Melbourne and Sebastian and Vieira, how do you view the commands of God? Well, Pastor Mark, give me the command. I'll tell you how I view it. No, no, no. I'm talking about the commands of God. From beginning to end, how do you view it? Do you view it? Or do you view it like this? If you view it as negative, restrictive, definitely a burden, something you have to do because you're afraid if you don't, God's going to punish you, then you'll never enjoy your walk with God. That's why John wrote this. That's why he said, don't you dare look at God's commands as difficult, horrible, against you, restrictive. You see, if I have to obey God, forget it. I won't most of the time. Because it is a burden. Now, I want you to write a little formula down. I think it'll make a lot of sense to you. Here's a formula. Write it down on all our campuses. What is biblical obedience? Kind of a little summary here. It starts with love. Since God loved me, then I'm going to love him back. And you'll see in a moment, you have to have an understanding this morning that God is a loving heavenly father. He wants nothing but good for you. If that happens, then I can trust him. If I can trust him, and I can trust that he wants good for me, then I'll obey him. But you have to understand, love, our obedience starts with love, knowing that God loves us. We need to know that God, like a father, wants nothing but good for his children. Our love for God then makes me want to trust him. And when I trust him, it's a pretty easy connection between obeying him. A few years ago, Lynn and I were visiting Yellowstone National Park. How, how many have been to Yellowstone? Let me see your hand. Good. We were like there in June and it was still snowing. I'm thinking, Lord, thank you. I'm for Florida. Whatever. But we were there. And as you know, in, in many par- parts of that place are these uh, hot geysers. 
scalding hot water just coming up from the ground. And uh, there's all these paths among them. And there's these signs everywhere. Beware, don't get too close, whatever. So Linda and I am walking and smelling the sulfur and kind of enjoying whatever's there and just being a little careful standing back. And out of the corner of her eye, and I don't know how old this, uh, this boy was, I think something like uh, six years old, we see, this, we see this young boy and he's, let's just say this is one of the areas and here's the bubbling hot water. He's just walking up close to it and he's walking down to another and he's taking a look really close to it. And Linda and I go, well, here's what Linda and I did. Where, where's the parent? See, this little boy didn't know, he didn't have any clue it was dangerous. God will never let that happen to you. That's why he gives us commands. Well, I don't think that's dangerous. He knows it's dangerous. And so his commands, you have to understand that God loves you. That's why he gives us commands. That parent, by the way, that parent finally showed up. That boy could not do life alone. You can't do life alone. Those of you that are not Christians yet, you have no chance of success at life. Zero. You were made not to do life alone, but only with God. You can't do it. It will not work. You say, it's working fine. No, it will never work in the end. Never. Guarantee from God's word. He loves you. So he would never allow those things to happen to us. He loves us too much. He simply knows. But now, here's the problem. God will never force you to obey. He'll give you a choice. God designed obedience as a personal choice. Now, watch this verse. Paul writes about it. It's pretty clear. As you see this verse, I'm working on a series, and I don't know eventually when I'll come it. But see, most of us think we're in control when really down to the bottom, we're not in control. Yes, we make choices, but sometimes things come up and I have to alter the choice. I didn't want to make it. That shows me I'm not in control. What you're going to see in this verse, there's only two people that are in control of this world, Satan and God, depending which camp you're in. So look at what Paul says, Romans 6. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? No, whatever you choose to obey. You can be a slave to sin. Notice the end which leads to death, spiritual death, the end of you. Or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. So this morning, I'm going to choose which master. I'm either going to obey God or I'm going to obey Satan. Now, some of you I know, you're already saying this, I would not obey Satan, I obey myself. No, you've already been influenced. You're under Satan if you're not under God. It's a given. So here's what I want you to write this morning. Why we obey God. Look at me. Why we obey God. Why we obey God. And that means my attitude will determine, will predict, will give me the outcome, the success of my life. If I obey God because I have to, or I'm afraid of being punished, or I'm not sure what the outcome is, if I, if I do that, you will never, ever be successful in your walk with God. And God didn't design our life that way. He, he designed us to obey Him be, because we want to be motivated because of his love, not by guilt, not by fear, not by circumstance. Oh, God, do this to me. So I've got to obey him. Wrong. You'll, you'll never be successful. Now, turn with me to Old Testament, all of our campuses, Psalm 119, kind of the middle of your Old Testament, middle of the Old Testament, Psalm 119. I'm going to read the first eight verses of the New Living Translation, and it will make it clear to you how good obeying is. The psalmist got it. He understood it. Psalm 119, verse 1. Joyful are people of integrity. What does it mean to be a person of integrity? Who follow the instructions of the Lord. Who follow the commandments of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey His laws and search for Him 
with all their hearts. Not just their head, but their heart. They do not compromise with evil. They don't listen to the enemy, don't get off the road, don't disobey. And they walk only in his paths, in the paths of his commands. You have charged us to keep your commands carefully. Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. Then I will not be ashamed when I compare my life with your commands. As I learn your righteous regulations, I will thank you by living as I should. I will obey your decrees. Please don't give up on me. Now that psalmist understood this principle. Here is the right attitude for you and for me this morning. Write it down. Here's my right attitude. I learned to obey God because it's good for me. I eventually learned to obey God because it's good for me. The sooner you learn it, the greater your walk with God. Now, every command from God, as you were there, Yellowstone, those signs that said warning, good or bad, tell me, good, good or bad, hello, good. Oh, I wonder if the water, I wonder if the water's really hot. Ah! No, good. Every command from God is good for us. Everyone. Everyone. And as you begin to understand that, these loving commands protect us from disastrous outcomes of disobedience and sin. If I choose to sin, if I choose to disobey, there's going to be consequences. That's because God loves me. He wants to bring me back. Now, I'm going to give you three keys this morning. I want you to write them down. Number one, obedience brings joy. Jesus says it like this. When you obey my commands, you remain in my love, just as I love my Father, and I love his commands, and I remain in his love. Look at verse 11. Let me read it to you. I have told you these things so you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. So if I obey God, it's going to bring joy to my life, and the joy is a strength in my life. Number two, obedience brings peace. It brings peace. Let me read you Psalm 119, 165. Those who love your instruction have great peace. I'm obeying God. doesn't matter the circumstances. I just have peace. I'm not trying to be somebody I'm not. I'm not trying to hide anything. I'm not perfect, but I just try to obey God. Obeying God's commands, many people think it destroys a life of freedom. It destroys creativity. It destroys excitement for life. But in fact... It's exactly the opposite. Now, I want you to look at me, and I want you to understand what I'm going to say to you. God is a God of freedom. He's not a God with a bunch of restrictions. God is a God of freedom. How do I know that? In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were created. And to show you that God's a God of freedom, God said this, have at it. The whole place is yours. Thousands of trees, thousands of this, everything fantastic. How many commands did God give Adam and Eve? One. I knew, I knew it, Pastor Mark. He's a restrictive God. <laughs> really? One? But what did Satan go after? The one. God. Did God really say that? He's trying to keep you from having a freedom of enjoying the garden. Lie. It was for their good. So do not say to me this morning, 
Well, I don't come to church because it's restrictive. It's full of rules and regulations. I'm not into that. Your belief is wrong, so your living is wrong. Write this, write this down this morning. God is a God of freedom. If there's any verse that I love, living under God's authority and obeying him simply brings maximum freedom. One of my favorite verses is this. Psalm 119.32. I run in the path of your commands because you set my heart free. See, knowing and believing God is simply good for me. It, it, it allows me to trust God. That trust leads me to action in obeying God. Now, when I, the reason God's commandments are not burdensome, the reason they're not burdensome is because when I obey God, it enables every believer to run in the path of his commands, which allows me to be an over comer. When I run in his commands, knowing he's good for me, doesn't matter what's coming, that allows me to become a absolute overcomer. Now turn with me to 1 John chapter 5, back to where we were, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. Don't you look at my hat this morning. How many know what this is? Nike. You're going to read read a verse in a moment. What, What does Nike mean? In the Greek, Greek, it's Nikeo. You know what it means? Overcomer. Nike didn't design this word. It was a common word in the Greek. Overcomer. When I run in the path of his commands, I'm an overcomer! There's freedom! There's joy! There's peace! Most of the world doesn't believe that. So let's read it together. Here we go. You ready? 1 John 5, 4. For everyone, not 10% of you, for everyone born of God, circle the word, overcomes, write it in your Bible, overcomes, Nike, Nikeo, the world, the overcomer. It means to conquer, to have victory, to have superiority, conquering power. The word reflects a genuine superiority that leads to overwhelming success. Tiger Woods has no clue what he has on his hat. It's not success in this world. It means to have victory over. Simple. Now, when you see that word, there's something else. It's a household world. When people see this, there's three things they say. Just, just do it. Say it with me. Just, just do it. So what is John saying? When you see a command, (laughs) praise God, let's go home. That's it. But how do you do it? Okay, I'll do it. No, do it because you get to. Do you get it? That makes me an overcomer. That's the way God is. This is what John says. Nike wasn't even around. It's a Greek term. The victory is demonstrable. It means overflowing the enemy, just overthrowing the enemy. Greater is he that lives in me than he that lives in the world. When I obey God, nothing can stop me. Now understand, John says... In this verse, this is the victory that has overcome what? The world. Do you remember what nails on a chalkboard sound like? (laughs) That's how some people feel about obedience to God and His commands. But Pastor Mark told us that we shouldn't look at it that way. God's commands are not to be seen as negative, difficult, or burdensome. They're to be looked at as given to us because God loves us. 
He only gives us commands because He wants to protect us from things that could be harmful to us. You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Now, be sure and tune in next time. Pastor Mark asks us if we are overcomers. Do you know that as a Christ follower, you have the Holy Spirit within you and you can be victorious over the world? It gives us faith that God only wants the very best for us. We are overcomers because we obey God. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. In a hurting world A new hope He is giving Lord, let us hear your lessons